I'm Dan. I'm Alice. Today we get to delve into Northwestern Europe with Norse mythology. Huzzah! Yeah! As usual, I'll do a quick review of the terms. So, separation of parts of the world. Then there's, like, succession, usually of power. Ascension of male over female. And the action known as dragon slaying. So, my usual disclaimer, there are lots of different stories for this, but they do have a general trend, as far as I know. Also, I'm very sorry if I pronounce things wrong. I'm doing my best, but I'll admit, I'm not very good at things sometimes. Norse pronunciation is also just incredibly difficult when you haven't learned the full language and lived there for your entire life. <laughs> yeah, and some things I read and then I'm like, wait a minute, what's <laughs> going on here? I did look it up, but sometimes I'm a mess. Anyway, on to the story. So in the beginning, before there was anything, there was a void called Ginnungagap. You know, hard to pronounce. As you do. I had to look that up. I was like, <laughs> what? So to the south, there was Muspelheim, a region of flames. To the north, there was Niflheim, where everything was frozen, which later kind of became the land of the dead, as far as I can tell. So basically how Game of Thrones should have ended. I wouldn't know. I haven't watched Game of Thrones, but maybe. Trust me. <laughs> Alright, I will. So, basically, they, like, believed that hell was frozen cold. Which, you know, considering where they lived, I get it, guys. <laughs> I mean, when people do say, the chance of a snowball in hell, I think they forgot to account for Norse mythology. I get it, man. When you have that long of a winter, I would be like, alright, guys, can I not live here anymore? <laughs> You start to see where the hopelessness in these stories comes from. Yeah. I mean, I think that the Norse mythology is pretty hopeful in general. Not the end times. Uh, it depends on if you subscribe to Ragnarok. That's Anyway, fair. if you live in an area that's always cold, prospect of dying and going to a place where it's even colder all the time, I would cry. <laughs> I could not handle it. Anyway, frost from Niflheim and fire from Muspelheim crept through the Ginnungagap uh, until they met. When the fire melted the ice, the drops formed into Ymir, the first of the race of giants. Through parthenogenesis, or asexual reproduction, lots of other giants formed. As more frost melted, a cow called Audhumla I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, I did my best. Um, emerged and she nourished Ymir with her milk. So she, in turn, was nourished by salt lakes in the ice. And apparently she made quite a dent in the salty ice because she uncovered Buri, the first of the Isertype gods. The Isertype gods were like war gods, are probably more well known in the way of Norse mythology because it's like Odin and Thor. Gee, and wonder where those have appeared in pop culture recently. Uh, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> there are some more gods, but I don't feel like mispronouncing the names. But then Buri's grandson is Odin, who's a half-giant. Odin becomes chief of the Aesir gods with some of his brethren, and with some of his brethren ended up like killing Ymir and made the world out of his corpse. Sounds like a very Odin thing to do. Yeah, I mean, pretty dramatic. I, I'm just gonna say it. They and uh, the Babylonians go hard, man. I kind of dig it. Fair enough. This is the second story where we've seen at least one of the primordial gods killed and their body made into the world by the descendants. Very interesting. I don't know how to deal with that. 
wonder why that's like a common element. Hmm. Anyway, then the gods fashion like the first humans. Ask an embla out of tree trunks. I find it interesting that they have the same initial vowels as Adam and Eve, too. That is interesting. I wonder if there's a reason for that. I wouldn't know. I don't even have a guess. <laughs> Maybe it's translation, or perhaps it's some sort of cultural integration. Yeah, I mean, the Silk Road was a thing, so, like, mm -hmm. I think that just having, even without people knowing it, then that there was probably some sort of mesh. Anyway, I just want to put in that this is, like, another way that humans are thought to have been created. So, for the Judeo-Christian story, humans are made from mud or dirt, while the Islamic story has them formed from water. And then the ancient Greek version has them created from clay. So those are kind of like the Judeo-Christian and the ancient Greek kind of parallel because they're mm -hmm. like mud and clay are kind of... Um, yeah, very similar elements of like the earth yeah. and the ground. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Numa Elish has them created from blood and bone of a perished god, which I don't know. Closest to the scientific theory that we're made out of star stuff. I guess. It's kind of interesting. I just wanted to put it in that there do seem to be a lot of little things where people are like, oh yeah, this is how humans are created. I thought it was interesting. So now we can go on to the common elements. With the separation aspect, you know, with the with any pantheon of gods, it's kind of obvious just kind of different gods get different domains. And even like within this aspect as well, there are the nine realms of the world tree, Yggdrasil which is different and has different races who live there. I'm going to name them all and I am very sorry if I mispronounce them. So there's Niflheim, which is the realm of ice, Muspelheim, realm of fire, Asgard, realm of the Aesir gods, Midgard, realm of humans, Jotunheim, realm of giants, Vanaheim, home of Vanir gods. So these are gods more of sorcery and magic, you know. Elfheim, the home of the light elves. Then there's Zwartelfheim, Realm of Dwarves. I'm reasonably sure that this name directly translates to Black Elf Home, because uh, Alfheim translates to Elf Home, and then it's spelled the same, I believe. It just has the Zwart at the beginning, and that is pretty close to the German and Dutch word for Black, which is Zwart. I think it's less of a, like, these words are, like, different colors and more just, like, they live in the dark because Alfheim is described to be really light and bright, whereas Zwartelfheim is more, like, caves and dark and stuff. So perhaps more of a translation of dark rather than black. Yeah. A direct translation is black, but I think a better translation just in general is probably dark. Fair enough. Then there's Helheim home of the dishonorable dead where it is very cold and dark don't want to go there yeah and then there's the home of the honorable dead which is in like asgard or like right outside asgard mm -hmm. and then there are also like the two different races of the gods which is also kind of separation there's Iser and vanir so war and fertility essentially Plus, the, the giants and the gods are kind of considered different because the uh, giants are considered to basically be embodiments of chaos, which, you know, me too, guys. Well, I mean, now we know why Loki's title is so fitting since, you know, given Norse mythology, he's literally half god, half giant. Odin's also half giant. Odin is also a chaotic entity of his own right. I mean, did you see what he did with making the worlds? Yeah, I guess. Something about a dead body fix, but here we are. Yeah. Anyway, so the gods are considered sort of like an embodiment of order. 
So then we go on to succession. So like Odin takes the throne as chief of the Iser gods after his grandfather, who is the original Iser god. And then with the ascension of male over female, it's not like ascension, but it's just kind of like where there's never a time where women have more power than the men. It's just kind of like they um, exist underneath. Yeah. So it's kind of similar to like Egyptian and Genesis stories. And then with dragon slaying, so when Odin murders the first being, Ymir, who's like, you know, essentially the embodiment of chaos, he sort of defeats chaos. That's like definitely a sort of slay the beast story. And it also gives a reason why Odin is the leader of the war gods, because he won the ultimate battle or whatever. So that comes with prestige, right of conquest, whatever. You may have noticed that this story was shorter than a lot of the other ones, even if I did a lot of tangents. <laughs> so, but this is generally like a shorter story, which shout out to the Norse for not having a 10 page origin story. They just saved that for the detailed end times. I don't know, man. So that's the Norse creation story. And next time we will have the wonderful Alice helping <laughs> me out and telling us the Celtic creation story as we continue into Northern Europe. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next week.